This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, March 7, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Donald Trump's foreign policy is all over the place. Cato Institute senior fellow Trevor Thrall says it's essentially impossible to get a clear sense of what a Trump administration would push with respect to trade, inclination to war, and maintaining positive relations with other countries. We spoke today. Foreign policy pundits are flummoxed when it comes to Donald Trump. I think of it as the many faces of Donald Trump. Is he a dove? After all, he opposed the war in Iraq, the intervention in Afghanistan, and the Libyan intervention. Or maybe he's a hawk. After all, he says he's going to bomb the beep out of ISIS. Uh, he wants to rebuild the military, says he's the most militaristic candidate. Um, you know, He said, what does the Trump doctrine mean? Strength, in one word. Um, he wants to preemptively attack North Korea. Uh, you know, there's uh, thinks the Iran nuclear deal is a, is a joke. But, but wait, maybe he's an isolationist. Uh, after all, he wants to build walls. He wants to deport Muslims. He wants to erect trade barriers and uh, seems uninterested in many traditional U.S. allies. Um, the only thing consistent about Trump's foreign policy really has been his inconsistency. So let's let's go through some of these bit by bit. Uh, trade is one of the best ways to make a friend, to turn an enemy into a friend. Cadillacy, I believe, is the word for that. So where he's been apparently all over the place on trade, but seems consistently talking about tariffs and uh, making it more difficult for certain less favorable governments to get their goods into the United States. Trump has a very strange notion of winning on trade. Uh, his idea of winning, uh, apparently, is to erect trade barriers and destroy the American economy. It's, it, Trump is really a nationalist. Uh, he's got very protectionist instincts, uh, you know, whether it's a trade uh, a tariff uh, you know, on Chinese goods or threatening Ford Motor Company with a tariff if they don't pull all their production into the United States. Uh, Trump uh, may, in fact, even be more angry about trade with our allies than he is with our adversaries. Um, you know, Trump really just, I think he's appealing to uh, working class folks in the United States who feel a lot of economic pain, and, and his message is really resonating with those folks. On Iraq, of course, it was revealed more recently than his uh, pronouncements about his opposition to the Iraq war that he said, eh, probably we should invade Iraq. But He's been fairly consistent that since then that this was a, a mistake and uh, has said the same about the occupation of Afghanistan and bombing Libya. Again, his inconsistency is is really the, the real hallmark here. Uh, I think if it's if I'm not straying well outside my knowledge here, it seems like Trump actually doesn't care very much about most of these interventions. He doesn't see them as particularly uh, central to American, uh, uh, you know, how well the U.S. is doing. He, he doesn't care much about Ukraine. Uh, he has flip-flopped back and forth whether it was a good idea to do Iraq, whether we should stay in Afghanistan or not, uh, all these sorts of things. Um, you know, frankly, I, I think, you know, and, now, it's funny here because Trump in some ways reflects the average voter perhaps better than either of the two parties do. Uh, most voters think, well, we should do something, but maybe not as much as we've done. And Trump, in his weird way, has articulated that kind of middle stance, sort of, ah, maybe we need to do something there, but not everything we've done. 
So it's, you know, again, what it leaves us is unable to figure out what Trump would do next, because nothing he's said so far has really articulated a foreign policy vision or a worldview that you could understand how it's going to guide him in the future. Related to that, it seems maybe he doesn't care so much about Iraq or Libya or Afghanistan, but how he would deal with countries with whom we have strong trading relationships, countries that are uh, superpowers, uh, seems to be more troubling. Well, I mean, other than his bromance with Vladimir Putin, um, who, with whom evidently we would have a fantastic relationship, thanks to Trump, um, you know, he's repeatedly threatened uh, allies with uh, making them pay. I think he wants to make South Korea pay, uh, some back pay, I think, for uh, many decades of U.S. security uh, presence in South Korea, um, you know, Japan, uh, Mexico, uh, all sorts of friendly nations. Uh, you know, Trump's, you know, if you wanted to put a word on it, I mean, this nationalism or nativism, uh, Trump's main stance is America first, second, and third. Where is he getting his information? And when, to the extent that he's asked about it, I know within Washington, D.C., it's very important for punditry and uh, think tank folks to be able to say, well, this person is advising this candidate and this uh, scholar has written this you know, carefully detailed work on the subject, so his, pers- his or her perspective is easy to understand. No one has... No one I, I have read widely in an effort to figure out where Trump is getting his information. I have not identified a single think tank pundit, academic or other knowledgeable person who has um, said, I, I'm working for Trump. I am helping him understand X, Y, or Z. Uh, Donald Trump has mentioned some names of people he knows, uh, but hasn't said he has a team on foreign policy or trade or anything specific. Uh, it's it seems to me possible that he just doesn't have any of these people right now. The only name I can recall him mentioning is Carl Icahn uh, on the subject of trade, uh, who is, you know, has run big companies as somebody sure. who he would have, quote, watch over China. Yeah. I mean, what what does that give you? I mean, this is not a person who has, is an expert in international trade. It's not, uh, it's not a very serious um, you know, uh, trade team. On foreign policy, he's mentioned uh, former Ambassador John Bolton, uh, but then he's mentioned a few other people who, when asked, said, no, I've never talked to him about uh, national security policy. So, I, you know, Lord only knows where he's getting his information. If anything, this campaign is not about policy, uh, at least on the, on, the Repu- That's clear. on the Republican side. What does that tell us about the future foreign policy of somebody who's running a essentially a non-campaign or, as, as a friend described it, a shock jock campaign? I think you know the, the danger here to me long term is that what Trump is revealing is something uh, deep and fundamental about the American electorate right now. And that is, you know, Trump may not win in 2016, uh, but he has uncovered a, a, a very sizable chunk, at least of the uh, Republican Party, and, and we may find out that it, it's broader than that. A, a large group of Americans who are quite nationalistic in their outlook, not particularly uh, you know, pr- uh, limited by the you know principles that we thought we think of when we think of uh, foreign policy, uh, you know, approaches or or even you know sort of the Constitution. I mean, you have a very large number of Americans who support Trump's proposals to uh, you know build walls, deport Muslims, build databases, uh, you know commit war crimes and approve torture. Uh, you know, th- this that is not going away 
if Trump loses. And so, you know, I don't think we can tell what kind of president Trump would really be. Um, you don't get to just do whatever you want when you're president, no matter how crazy you are. Um, but I think one thing we know is even if Trump doesn't uh, get into the White House, we're going to be dealing with the repercussions of his campaign for a long time. Trevor Thrall is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.